Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Where the Dark Corners Are. Hello, hello. I am Vina, and I am your Dark Travels hostess. Tonight, I am joined by husband Jeff. Howdy. (laughs) And tonight, we're going to take a road trip to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, the District of Columbia, Washington. For those who are not familiar with this address, it is the address of the American White House, the home of the President-elect. Designed by James Hoban, construction began on October 13, 1792. After eight years of construction, the very first president to actually reside there was John Adams. And, as some history buffs know, it was burned by the British in the War of 1812. But thanks to good old Dolly Madison, who snatched up the floor plans before the British could light the building ablaze, the building we see today is the original design. Now, in the course of American history, we have had 45 presidents take residency there, George Washington being the one exception. But it is said that one president, the one who bore the weight of saving a nation, still walks its corridors and haunts a room now dedicated to him. I am, of course, referring to President Abraham Lincoln. And with President Abraham Lincoln in mind, tonight, April 15th, 2021, it is the 156-year anniversary of his assassination. So, in honor of this great man, we will discuss his final day, his assassination, his strange, curious connection to the also-assassinated President John F. Kennedy, and where his ghosts tend to linger. So, aside from taking a road trip to 16... Road trip. With the husband. To 1600 Pennsylvania, we're also going to step back into time to April 14th, 1865. April 14th, 1865 was actually a good Friday. President Lincoln's morning began with a casual prefix with the company of his son, Robert who had just arrived in Washington after serving under General Grant, General Grant being the future U.S. President Ulysses S. Grant. During their visit, the father encouraged his son to leave the, the trauma and the tragedies of the Civil War behind and encouraged him to pursue an education, something Lincoln himself greatly valued. After his breakfast, Lincoln hosted meetings regarding the end of the Civil Wars, and as the day progressed, Lincoln himself hawed and hemmed about attending the night's performance of our American cousin playing at the Ford's Theater. Lincoln was actually inclined to skip the performance, 
but it was his promise to his wife, Mary, that literally seals his fate. That's terrible. Right. Always making promises to the wife that seal your fate. Correct. It's terrible. He should have went with his gut and not went. Correct. And this begins what, and you know, obviously in hindsight becomes this Lincoln eerie connection. Like he knew. Well, it was said that he actually dreamt of his death three nights prior. And in hindsight, as Lincoln parted for the theater, he bid his personal guard, Agent Cook, with an eerie and foretelling goodbye instead of his traditional goodnight crook. So he says goodbye crook instead of his goodnight crook. Wait, you said crook or cook? Crook. Crook. That was his agent. Okay, okay. Now, in attendance with Lincoln and Mary were the Union Officer Major Harry Rathbone and his fiancée, Clara Harris. They show up. They, they literally sit in the presidential suite, <laughs> the presidential box. And unbeknownst to them, once word of Lincoln's attendance to the play gets out, sympathizers of the beaten South actually springs into action. I am, of course, referring to John Wilkes Booth, and his accomplices. Besides John Wilkes Booth, I am referring to Lewis Powell, David Harold, and George Azeroth. These are all people that helped him plan this or helped him carry it out? Well, actually, the plan to assassinate Lincoln is actually bigger than what actually gets executed. So the initial plan was that all of these Confederates, because they were literally Confederates, was not only to kill Lincoln, but to assassinate the Secretary of State, Seward, and to kill Vice President Johnson, all at the same time at 10 p.m. So Lewis was assigned the task of killing Seward. George Azerot was assigned the task of killing Vice President Johnson. And as 10 o'clock approaches, Azaret actually fails to carry out his assignment, and he actually never even approaches Vice President Johnson. Powell, on the other hand, invades Secretary of State Seward's home and slashes him repeatedly with a knife. And even though Seward actually survives, his face is actually permanently disfigured for the rest of his life. But it's John Wilkes Booth who obviously completes his mission. So at approximately 10 p.m., he finds the presidential box essentially unguarded because Agent Parker just disappeared, who was assigned to protect the president. That seems a little fishy. Correct. Correct. Booth enters it, and he bars the outside door from the inside. So... So basically, he's preventing immediate assistance. Yeah, nobody can get in. Correct. And he waits, kind of like behind the curtain, when he knew in the play there would be a moment that would elicit a big laugh. And that's when he takes his gun and shoots Lincoln in the back of the head with a forty-four caliber Philadelphia Derringer pistol. Now, he jumps onto the stage, breaking his leg, John Wilkes Booth. He shouts, you know. He jumped out of the box 
down onto the stage. Correct. Okay. In the in the middle of the performance, but by then, you know, obviously, the uh, the performance is halted by the obvious gunfire, and he shouts, "Sick Semper Tyrannus, the South is avenged!" As he basically hobbles backstage with a broken leg, with a broken leg, and flees on horseback. Now Lincoln, obviously, with the door being barred, takes a, a, a good while to get him help. He's attended by several doctors who were in attendance in the audience, and it was agreed that the president needed to be moved but couldn't be moved too far, so he actually gets taken across the street to the house of William Peterson, who rented out extra rooms to lodgers. And it's one of these rooms that Lincoln gets laid down into, but, I mean, he's so tall, he actually has to lay diagonally across the bed. And... The doctors are like, oh, I can't do nothing for you. Well, you got a bullet in your head. <laughs> the doctors know that his chances of survival. Very little. Extremely little. Well, they didn't have all the fancy schmancy medical stuff. 156 Correct. years ago. Correct. So there was no doubt that the unconscious president would actually recover. But they hold vigil through the remaining of the night. And, you know, Mary's hysterical. And when morning breaks at 7.22 a.m. on April 15th, the Secretary of War, Edmund Stanton, says he now belongs to the ages. So he's, he has died. He's done. He's done. Yeah. Correct. Now, the following day was Easter Sunday. The churches, of course, hold mass in President Lincoln's honor. But as a result of this, one of the largest manhunts begins. The federal government, you know, Vice President Johnson is now President Johnson, dispatches 10,000 federal troops to hunt down the conspirators and the assassinators of Do President have, Lincoln. Do they have any idea at that time, like, who, well, I mean, did they know it was John Wilkes Booth that they were looking for, or they just knew it was a dude? Well, believe it or not, John Luke's Booth was a famous actor. He actually came from a well-known, famous family of actors. So people knew who he was when he jumped down there on the stage. Correct. And, and yelled out whatever he yelled out. The South has been yeah. arranged. People knew who that He's was. He's actually... So they John knew Luke, right. that's who they needed to find. Correct. John Wilkes Booth has actually even performed at the Ford Theater, and that that's how he actually gained access to President Lincoln. They knew him. They were like, oh, hey, John. Hey, John. You know, how you doing? Glad you're here. And so he uses his, his you know, profession as an actor to get into the theater to kill the president. I wonder if he thought, just, just for whatever, I wonder if he thought that he could actually get away with it or if he knew that. He, I think he did. I think, think he so? figured that he would get a lot more assistance from people who were, st like I said, this is the dwindling days of the end of the Civil War. Right. So he thinks he's going to get help from the sympathizers of the South. Correct. Correct. Now, the manhunt goes on for 11 days, and on April 26th, they find both Booth and Harold hiding in a barn of a farm in Virginia near the Rappaponic River. Now, Harold's like, I'm good. I'm going to go ahead and surrender. But Booth actually refuses. So the troops 
that tracked him down set the barn on fire. And there's actually some conflicting reports. One report says Booth, in his final moments, actually kills himself. Another says he refused to surrender, and so he was shot by a Union soldier and died shortly thereafter. Now, again, he, like I said before, he does not act alone. He... Well, that's a pretty big plan. I don't think you could do something like that on your own. No, and he had help along the way to hide for 11 days as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But believe it or not, the the idea of striking at President Lincoln was not in its infancy. There was plans. They've been plotting. In fact, the first idea that Booth was associated with was actually just to kidnap Lincoln, not actually assassinate him, okay? So as this manhunt goes on, you know, and they're searching and they're going through Booth's history and associates and connections, they're uncovering this plot to kidnap Lincoln. And they're uncovering all these additional conspirators that not only assisted Booth, but were planning all these other things to do to Lincoln as well. So they basically round up eight conspirators and they get tried and... This does actually include Harold and Powell and Azerot and a woman by the name of Mary Surratt who ran a boarding house in Washington that was frequented by members of the Confederate underground and was plotting, you know, making actual plans that Mary was aware of. Well, there's some dispute whether or not Mary was aware of. So maybe she knew, maybe she didn't. Right, but it's her boarding house. But it's her house. Correct. And, you know, you you're... You know, you know who's from the South by their accent. You know yeah. who's from the North by their accent. Yeah, but that doesn't, like, make her guilty. I mean... Well, here again, during this manhunt, they uncover, you know, all these extra conspiracies, all these extra plots, and they they discover the conspirators. So they, they, they actually had some solid evidence to prove that she knew what was going on. Correct, and oh, that okay. she conspired along. Okay. So they all get tried by a military commission, okay, for his assassination. And on July 7th, 1865, they, and this includes Mary, who would be the first woman put to death by the federal government, get hung. There. They deserved it. Correct. Yeah. In addition to these guys, the as part of the conspirators, Dr. Mudd, who I believe attended to Booth's broken leg, gets found guilty of, you know, conspirating with the conspirators, along with a man named Michael O'Lallan. And these gentlemen actually get sentenced to life in prison. Another man by the name of Edmund Spangler receives six years, a six-year sentence. Uh, another conspirator, who, and I'm not really sure if he's the husband or the child of Mary, but John Surratt Jr. actually... He gets charged, but he flees the country, but they later catch up with him and try him in 1867, and, but at that point in time, his case actually gets dismissed. But Lincoln's assassination is the first of four monumental presidential assassinations. His, uh, the next president to be assassinated is a gentleman by, uh, is a president by the name of James Garfield, who gets assassinated on September 19th, 1881. Then there's President William McKinley, 
who gets assassinated in September 6, 1901. And then our last president to have been assassinated, we all know now, or one, one of considered one of the most infamous assassinations is President John F. Kennedy on November 22nd, 1963. Who killed him? Well, the history... I say the CIA did it. Well, believe it or not, uh, I would actually love to do an episode on the conspiracy surrounding John F. Kennedy's assassination because, without a doubt, there are several. But the interesting thing is, is that there is a very strange and eerie, curious connections between both President Lincoln, our first president to be assassinated, and John F. Kennedy, our last president to be assassinated. And I know that you've done some research to kind of highlight some of the curious and interesting connections between the two presidents. So, husband Jeff, what do you got? So I found quite a few things that I thought were interesting in this whole how they're connected conspiracy or whatever. I don't know what you want to call it, but it's interesting that uh, both of them were elected to Congress in 46. Uh, Lincoln was elected in 1846 from Illinois, and Kennedy was elected in 1946 from Massachusetts. They both uh, were elected to presidency in the 60s, so 1864... Uh, Lincoln, and 1964, uh, Kennedy. Uh, Both were concerned with civil rights. Uh, Lincoln wanted to uh, free all the slaves, so uh, he issued the Emancipation Proclamation. Well, actually, believe it or not, the Emancipation Proclamation only applied to the slaves in the South. That, That just, to me, makes no sense, but... Well... You have to remember, some of the northern states were slave states as well. And I'm referring, obviously, to Maryland. Maryland was a slave state, but they did not succeed with the South when the South succeeded in uh, 1861. But Oh, okay. So, and Kennedy, he, he, he was concerned with racial equality. He wanted the, the blacks and the whites and to be the same, which that's how it should be. Um. But, you know, he actually never got an opportunity to sign the Civil Rights Bill. It was actually his vice president who becomes the president. Um, of course, I'm referring to Lyndon B. Johnson, President Lyndon B. Johnson. He's the one. Right. He actually signed it. Correct. Well, it, it wasn't finished by the time before somebody killed him, whoever killed him. Right. I mean, uh, not whoever, but, well, before they say. Right. Before Kennedy was assassinated. Yes. It, it was not signed. It was not finished. So he, he didn't get to see that through. Uh, they were both married in their th- in their thirties to women in their twenties, so both of them, I guess, liked younger women. They both lost a son while uh, living in the White House. Lincoln lost an eleven-year-old son, and Kennedy lost his infant son, Patrick. In both of the assassination cases, presidents were with another couple, and in both cases, the man that was with the president was also wounded by the assassin. No. So we're talking Ford's Theater with the the sergeant major that was with him, and then when Kennedy was in the car in he was Dallas, in the car with Dallas, right? The I don't gentleman know who that was, was with him, but yeah, okay, yeah, whoever that was, I'm not sure who that was, but yes, both of them were shot on a Friday. Lincoln was shot as we already established on Good Friday, April 14th, 1865, and Kennedy was shot 
Friday, November 22nd, 1963. So both of them were shot in the head. They were both shot in the presence of their wives. Kind of terrible. So Lincoln gets shot with the Derringer, but President Kennedy gets shot with the magic bullet. Out of a rifle, they say. Correct. From the book suppository. They both were shot by Southerners. I didn't know that. I mean, I knew obviously I knew that John Wilkes was from the Southern. So here's something that I find interesting. They both had successors with the last name Johnson. Correct. Believe it or not, both of their vice presidents were men of the South. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. So I also found out that they were both of their successors were born in 08. Andrew Johnson was born in 1808, and Lyndon B. Johnson was born in 1908. So 100 years apart. Uh, yeah, exactly. Here's something interesting. The Lincoln, Lincoln was shot in Ford's Theater, right? Right. Well, the car that Kennedy was shot while he was riding in was a Lincoln, which was made by Ford. Okay, strange little coincidence there. Yep. In both cases, the assassinators were killed before they could be tried. Um, we already talked about John Wilkes Booth was either shot or died, shot or shot himself in a burning building. Right. And Lee Harvey Oswald was sharp, shot by Jack Ruby. Correct. Who was uh, associated with the mafia. Now, right. why does the mafia care about? Well, like I said, I think the CIA did it. So what does the CIA have to do with the mafia? I think they're covering something up. Okay. I don't know what. Potential future. Yeah. That's to talk about in in the future. So that's pretty much like what I have here for the similarities. And I just think these are a bunch of interesting facts that I figured out. That connect both President Kennedy and President Lincoln. I don't know how they connect them, but I think that the similarities are interesting. I don't know. And does that mean something? I don't know. It may. Well, aside from the first president being the first president to be assassinated and the strange coincidences to the last president being assassinated, there were actually very interesting and strange events that happened after Lincoln's assassination that has nothing to do with uh, President John F. Kennedy. So, as I said before, uh, John Wilkes Booth came from a family of actors. His brother, Edwin Booth, who was also an actor, he actually died on June 7, 1893. And two days later, as as Edwin Booth's casket is being carried from the little church around the corner in New York City, there's a strange tragedy that strikes the Ford Theater. Apparently, a 40-foot section of the front of the building collapses from the third floor and kills 22 people and injuring uh, many, many more. So as his casket's being carried out, this terrible tragedy happens at the Ford Theater. Now, okay, so going back to the theory of whether or not John Wilkes Booth shot himself versus a soldier, a Union soldier shooting him, the credit goes to the Union soldier, a Boston Corbett. Now, Boston ends up moving on with his life, and he ends up becoming the assistant doorkeeper of the Kansas House of Representatives in Topeka, Kansas. And 
while in the state house on February 25th, on February 15th, 1887, he's feeling like super paranoid. He's feeling, you know, uneasy because he had just been threatened by several members or several men in Topeka. So what he does is he pulls out his revolver and he makes some threats. He waves his weapon around the air. And even though nobody gets hurt, he gets arrested. He gets declared insane. And he gets sent to the, the Topeka Asylum for the insane. And then, just over a year later, he jumps on a horse. He escapes the asylum grounds. And he basically runs off. And he heads for Mexico. And he's never heard of again. So the guy that supposedly kills John Wilkes Booth goes insane and heads to Mexico and basically disappears. Whatever happens to him remains a mystery. As for the young couple that were in attendance with uh, President Lincoln and Mary Todd, they get married on July 11th, 1867. They have three children and... Rathborn ends up suffering from severe mood swings to the point where he ends up taking opiates over the counter and they move to Germany in 1882. In December, on December 23rd, 1883, Rathbone ends up going berserk. He tries to kill the children. He then shoots and stabs his wife to death and then finally he stabs himself. And... When the police arrived, he's mumbling, like, uh, who could have done this to my darling wife? And he goes on about people hiding behind the pictures on the walls. And he gets arrested. But he, he himself ends up spending the rest of his life in an insane asylum for the criminally insane in Germany. So here, Boston, who was associated with Booth, he goes insane and goes to an insane asylum. The Union soldier that was in the booth with Kennedy goes insane and stays in an insane asylum. And if that's not enough, in May of 1875, Mary Todd Lincoln, his widow, actually is put on trial for insanity in Chicago. The jury finds Mrs. Lincoln insane and a fit person to be in a state hospital for the insane. So she goes and spends the next several months in an insane asylum in Bativa, Illinois. So here, this strange twist of events, three people directly associated with Abraham Lincoln's, you know, death, not necessarily his assassination, but because uh, they weren't conspirators, but these people who were valuable to the moment of his assassination go insane. Now, as I said before, it has been said that Abraham Lincoln still haunts the White House and his ghosts and his presence and eerie things have happened to such people such as Winston Churchill, such as Eleanor Roosevelt, the Queen of the Netherlands, you know, variety of visitors because the White House has had, you know, diplomats and queens and kings and you know, prime ministers like Winston Churchill. And through the course of history, obviously, like Lady Bird Johnson herself has claimed to have seen 
and felt the presence of Abraham Lincoln. So without a doubt, he still lingers there. I mean, if you think about it, it actually makes a whole lot of sense. Being the first president to ever be assassinated, I would I would wonder if all of, well, there's been, what, four? I would wonder if all four of them kind of have their own little spot there, and he's just the most prominent one because maybe he's the most angry about being assassinated. I don't know. That's interesting. Well, he was said to have foreseen his seen his funeral, yeah. Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. That's interesting. Well, like I said, maybe he's just, you know, the others are probably there somewhere, but he's just the most, I don't want to say vocal, but the most active. Right. Well, he, well, for one, he's kind of been there since 1865. Yeah. So we're talking over 156 years. Yeah. But he also, too, had one of the the most emotionally and greatest hardship of any president. Well, yeah, he had a, he had a, he had a lot to do. Like the Civil War was huge, right? I mean, I mean, not to undermine, of course, World War One or World War Two, but I mean, when your your entire nation is at war with e- itself, with itself, yeah, correct. Exactly. It's my understanding, and maybe you'll know if I'm right or wrong. But my understanding is that more Americans died in the Civil War than any other war in history ever. Right. So well, when you're at war with this yourself, well, you're yeah, no, your enemy, yeah. yourself, your enemy, yeah, of course. Well, as a ghost, okay, uh-huh. Uh-huh. it is said that you know he has his own room, the Lincoln Room. It's said that people have felt a strange coldness, a a sense of uneasiness, a disquieting apprehension, and and it is actually said that the wife of President Calvin Coolidge was the first person to actually report seeing his ghost. And he was actually at the window of the Oval Office with his hands clapped behind his back, gazing out over the, the Potomac River. And yeah, I was going to ask, has, so all the f- people feeling this way, but have there been many sightings, like people who claim to have seen his ghost? Well, yes. In fact, I had mentioned earlier uh, the Queen of the Netherlands, when she saw him, she actually saw him with his top hat on. And, in fact, she was so startled seeing his ghost, she fainted. Oh, wow. Uh, First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt said that she's seen him in her study, or she's admitted to feeling his presence whenever she's worked late at night. And bear in mind, First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt worked on civil rights on behalf of her husband, Franklin Roosevelt, He asked her to take over this task, and one of the big ones that she was trying to address was getting anti-hanging laws passed, especially in the South. So uh, he's uh, basically appearing to everybody. And it seemed like whenever the nation was in times of trouble, like World War I, like World War II, sightings of him were higher than times of peace. So, And he's not just in his own room. He's apparently, like I said, the ghost of him was in the Oval Office. They've seen him in the corridors. So he's definitely... Not that I'm not a believer, because I totally could understand how... Because if it was me, I'd I'd stick around and haunt the place, too. Right. Well, believe it or not, his haunting is not strictly 
at the White House. It has also been said that his ghosts have been seen, of course, at the Forge Theater, and why not? That's literally where he was. Still there? Still active? Still a place? Correct. Okay. Um, and, and we're talking especially the his box that he was shot in. Uh, aside from there, um, people believe that they've seen him at the Capitol. People believe they've seen him traveling down Pennsylvania because back in his day, he was actually kind of free to move around. But, I mean, obviously that wasn't a wise idea with the Civil War going on. Um, so it, he's while he is not strictly at 1600 Pennsylvania, he's seen there frequently and by people who would obviously not make this up. I mean, when you have someone fainting at seeing his apparition, that's pretty tangible evidence that uh, that he's he is making himself known. And it doesn't surprise me that, of course, Fort Cedar, I mean, that's kind of a given as well. Yeah. So. yeah. But for tonight, April 15, 2021, again, in recognition of the anniversary of assassination, we as a nation are still obviously dealing with the repercussions of of issues that were not resolved with the Civil War. But because he was a man who literally gave his life for his country and, like I said before, bore the weight of saving his nation, I wanted tonight to take a moment to recognize his sacrifice, his duty, and... Obviously, as a paranormal investigator and traveler, recognize that his ghost appears to still be watching over his country. It probably will, forever. Probably. Now, while you may not be able to visit the White House anytime soon, you can certainly visit the Forge Theater. I have, and there is a section dedicated to the assassination, obviously, of President Lincoln. All right, on to business. I have a Facebook page. If you are curious or interested and would like to check it out, you can send a request to join. However, in the meantime, if you have a specific place or tourist attraction in mind that you would like to hear where their dark corners are, send me an email at wherethedarkcornersare at gmail.com. So until next time, please remember, only the few can find the beauty in the darkness, which is why I hope to meet you where the dark corners are. (laughs) 